Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is December the 15th, 2014. I hope everyone has had a blissful week so far. We have been vacationing for a minute, but I'm back with you. I'm off and on, but I definitely keep you posted on Facebook, on my Facebook fan page, The Bright Side with Technician. I'm grateful that you are here spending this time with me. We have 10 more days before Christmas, so I hope everyone is getting their Christmas list together. Um, I have mine together. Use uh, Charter Way After Christmas. That's the best time to find the best bargains and everything, you know. But I do have a wonderful guest on who is here to share her wonderful story with us. It's it's a touching story, and I know plenty of you probably have been through this in your lifetime. So this is where you can understand and cope and give your sympathy. But before we bring her on, we're going to go to a short musical tune at the moment and we'll be right back after this hang all the mistletoe i'm gonna get to know you better this christmas and as we trim the tree how much fun it's gonna be together this Christmas, the fireside is blazing bright. Whoa, uh, we're caroling through the uh, night. Whoa, this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me. Look around. 
All right. We're back on the air. I had a little difficulties. I guess it's telling me I haven't been on in some weeks now, so it wants to act up all this time that I have been on purchasing stuff. Now, finally, I get my show together, and it wants to start malfunctioning. But anyhow, I'm here with Miss Sharon Babineau, who's a professional speaker, author, she is a decorated Canadian Armed Forces soldier, mountain climber, hockey player, and volunteer. And her proudest accomplishment has been the honor of being a mom. And she has been recognized for her important work she has done at home and in Africa and is the recipient of many awards, including Volunteer of the Year. She has a wonderful book dedicated to her daughter who had cancer and um, passed too soon at the age of 15. and to dedicate her memories and her life. Her book is called The Girl Who Gave Her Wish Away. And this is a true inspiring book. This young lady is so inspiring, even in spirit. But we're going to bring Sharon on, and Sharon will be able to explain more about this and tell you about her organization, her volunteer work that she's actually doing. So, Sharon, welcome. I'm glad to have you on. Sharon, are you on? Yes, Sharon. Sharon, can you, Sharon, can you hear me? Hi. Okay. Okay, Sharon. Mhm. All right, we finally got Sharon on. Okay, so. Sharon, it's an honor to have you here, and I appreciate you for sharing your daughter's amazing story with us, the girl who gave her wish away. And this, like I said, it's an honor. I think this is a dedicated way to share her spirit through this. So let's talk about it, Sharon. I mean, just explain Maddie's journey with us through all this. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, It's an honor as her mom to, to share my daughter's story. My daughter was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 12 and um, ended up in the hospital with uh, undergoing a year of chemotherapy, radiation, and uh, multiple surgeries. So if you can imagine a a 12-year-old, you know, having this diagnosis where they should be out playing and shopping at the mall and, and all of a sudden my daughter's world was turned upside down and we're off to the hospital, and she had lost her father when she was young. So this was pretty devastating. This was sort of like a second hit for me. Um, so my daughter ends up in the hospital. All she can do, if you could imagine, with the chemotherapy and everything, all that she could really do is watch TV. It's very difficult for her to, even when her friends visited, she had no energy to do anything. And her world became quite small. She was very, very sick, and there was this one day that really stood out that really changed the way she saw the world and changed her role in it, 
and it was just one day she's watching TV and she's flipping through the channels and you know how it is when there's like a thousand channels and nothing to watch. Right. <laughs> we all we all go through that. And one day she just saw this vision of this little boy walking down a dirt road and it was in Africa and I remember the caption it said that he was orphaned and because my daughter had lost her her father it touched her really deeply. You know, she had so much compassion for this little boy. And I remember her watching the show, seeing, you know, the, the bellies and the big eyes and the flies. And, you know, it's something that many of us, and I mean, I've been guilty of, like, turning away because it seems like the problem is so big, we can't solve it. But she saw it with these young, youthful eyes, you know, and she felt that she could do something to help this little boy. I remember her turning to me and saying, we have to help him. Mom, I, I, he's, he's got no parents. He has no school. He has nothing. And just that look in her eye was, it was so extraordinary. I, I just saw her come alive, truly. But I remember yeah, seeing no. her lying on the Yeah. And, you know, she had this bald head and she had all these tubes in her. And I thought, what could you possibly do? to help this little boy. You're so sick yourself. But I didn't see the bigger picture. I I didn't realize that regardless of our circumstances, we can do so much. So I remember the doctors taking her away, and we never really finished that conversation about her wanting to help this little boy and and children like him, you know, in third world countries. But it never left her. It never left her head. It never left her heart. She, she she knew that one day, and her goal was to get better and to go to Africa and to help these children. And it was a couple of months later that she saw a show, and it was about Craig Kielberger. Now, Craig Kielberger, I know he's known in the U.S., but very well known in Canada, was a young boy who at the age of 12, the same age my daughter was, he started an organization called Free the Children, Children Helping Children. Oh. And so she was so inspired by him, and it made her believe in herself that even though she was only 12, that she could do something. And so he became her role model. And, and I, I, again, remember just watching her, and you could just see her, her mind going and realizing, I can do something. It doesn't matter that I'm sick. It doesn't matter how young I am. And it was shortly after that my daughter was approached by the Children's Wish Foundation, and they came into her room and, and they offered her a wish, anything that she could possibly want. And as you can imagine, I mean, the possibilities are endless. And my Why daughter... Disney World and the thing. Absolutely. I mean, sure, well, Disney World was on her list. She started writing down all the things that she thought that she'd like to do, and she was so excited. And this was truly a highlight, because with her illness and her loss of, friendship, school, and everything. It's like, yes, my daughter, you know, gets to go and do something fun. I was so excited for her. And so she came home on leave from the hospital and got to visit her little brother, Derek. And, you know, she shared with him, like, I have a wish. Like, I can have anything I possibly want. And so, of course, he's all excited. And even the family dog was getting in on it. Like, you know, I could just totally (laughs) see 
for sure she had this little round pug, the funniest looking dog, and everyone was like just full of excitement to say, yes, there's something good happening to this family. You know, we can do a Disney cruise. My daughter was told that she could go on a $5,000 shopping spree. Now, imagine that, and she's raised by a single mom. She's done without, and so this, this was a fun time for us. But it was a couple of days later she came to me and she said, Mom, there are a lot of things that I want, but there's really nothing I need. And she said, I want to give my wish to that little boy. He deserves it more. And I remember just being so touched by that. And she said, if I can't save him, I want to save someone just like him. And, and she said, do you think they'll get mad if I give my wish away? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> and so she called up and she talked to the organization and they said, you know, that's a beautiful wish. Of course we'll support it. So then she called Craig Kielberger from Free the Children and she was so nervous to talk to him because my daughter was like the shyest child on the planet, like totally so shy. And so she approached mm-hmm. him and, and, yeah, and said, I want to use my wish. And she wanted to use it in a way that was long-lasting. So what she did with her wow. wish was she used it to build a school in Africa. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, I mean, her heart was just so big. This is a girl who had selfless acts of kindness. She thought about others. Who would have imagined taking a trip to Disneyland or Riding in the car with the policeman for a day, you know, but she took her, she took that and said, no, I need to help out others. And, you know, I was reading throughout the book, <laughs> you know, it probably was a lot with um, Stephen being sick throughout his life and everything, you know, he probably was, every time she probably come around, you know, sometimes children just, they they get you in a certain way, and you sometimes don't always be in the mood to be bothered with them. And I was just reading the part when she was trying to get this booger out his nose, and she just couldn't get it out. <laughs> and that part was bothering him, too, by him being sick, but he just couldn't tell her. You know, you can't tell a child, oh, you're just getting on my last nerves because you're already sick. They're trying to help you. She's doing her best, but she never gave What I liked about her throughout the book, she never gave up. She was always curious about something, too. She wanted to know why that young boy was in that wheelchair even though the lady said oh you're rude but she she was curious she was a very inspired smart girl at her age she was very advanced i thank god just put her here for she he put her here for he had her his purpose for maddie maddie made her purpose she did even though we see it as oh she it was short term no maddie made her purpose she made it for us to see the bigger picture of things because sometimes we always look at the small things. And even though you as the mom, Sharon, was feeling probably the sorrow because we're parents. We're always going to feel that for, for our children. But at that same time, Maddie was inspired. She didn't want you to suffer. She didn't want you to be sad for her. Mm-mm. Maddie wants you to be happy. That's why she took that initiative and did what she had to do. Yeah, she was pretty amazing. When I look back, what? like she was... She was an old soul, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Truly, truly. And, you know, and I look look at videos. So, um, yeah, so she took care of her father. And what was, and I I probably have to back up because your listeners probably haven't read the book. But um, before my daughter was born, um, my fiancé, Stephen Babineau, 
I was in the military, and he was a civilian, and I was posted in Ottawa, Canada. When I met him, he worked in robotics at uh, Nortel, and he was like the okay. most extraordinary man. He he looked like Paul McCartney. He drove a motorcycle. He was he was uh, so such a uh, kind, loved nature, and you know, totally fell in love with him. And we started planning our future together. We decided we wanted to get married, and it was a couple of months before that that Stephen started slurring his words, and he started tripping for no apparent reason. And so off he went to the doctors, but of course we're not expecting any, you know, um, severe diagnosis. Like, we're on top of the world here. (laughs) Nothing can happen to us. You can't touch us. Uh, And he went in, and sadly, they diagnosed him with ALS. Now, many of your readers or listeners would know ALS now because of the ice bucket challenge. Did you do that? In the U.S.? Oh. Um, the, no. They, um, were, they were pouring uh, buckets of cold water on top of themselves to raise money for ALS. Mm-hmm. A couple of months oh, back, everyone I, was doing it. And I was going to end up doing it, and I thought that was a great honor to do for others to bring awareness around the country. I was pleased to see celebrities and everyone was getting involved. Even some of my friends were getting involved, and I thought that was <laughs> that was great. Sharon, let me ask, though, just by knowing that your husband and your daughter had this disease, did you feel like anywhere in time of your life that you were being punished? Well, I mean, definitely have highs and lows. You know, my husband, Stephen, you know, was diagnosed with ALS and, and did pass away from it, and my daughter was diagnosed with cancer and passed away, you know, much too soon at the age of 15. And, you know, that... Um, yeah, I went to a pretty dark place after my daughter passed away. Um, I, I just felt the world was a cold place, and it was um, taking my family. Uh, all I had left was my son. And, um, you know, you sometimes life can wear you down, and I, I think that's what happened. Uh, um, my daughter battled her cancer for three years so bravely, came back three times, my husband battled ALS for nine years and spent seven of it paralyzed. And we hope and we hope for the best. And, you know, we don't all get that fairy tale ending. And, and we have to live with what we are given. And for me, it was I really had to find gratitude in what I was given, not in what I thought I should have had. You know, because we have this idea that this world is going to, you know, we're going to live till we're 90, uh, my, my daughter's going to get married. I mean, and, and, and it didn't happen that way. And, you know, I won't be having grandchildren of hers. And, um, and so it can, it can beat you down. But if you come from a place of gratitude, I'm looking, I'm looking at these two extraordinary people who came into my life and taught me so much about living and how right. precious it is. Yeah. It was a gift. And, you know, a wake-up call for myself to live every day with purpose. They're not here, but I am. So I can best honor them by living my life, you know, in the best way possible. And for me, that's helping others just like my daughter did, just like how she gave her wish away and created opportunities for children in Africa to get an education. I mean, that gift her giving her wish away, that's everlasting, everlasting. It's beautiful. And she did more in 15 years than people do in 90. 
Yeah. I mean, this is our chance to just commemorate on Maddie and honor her in her time of project that she's trying to, that she did it for Africa, trying to raise the money for the school supplies, the teachers, the books. And I hope things are going well for them in Africa. Um, so far, I heard um, it was at 6000 Is it at more now for the money raising? Yes. So right now we've raised a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, amen. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? It is. And I've, mm-hmm. So if we go back to my daughter giving her wish away, and and when she did that, so she, she uh, organized that with, with Craig, went into remission, and then she, you know, and you know this because you read the book, uh, but I'll just share a bit more. She found out that the young girls couldn't attend school because they had to haul water. So the 6000 that you're talking about, that was for the school. And then when she found out that the girls couldn't attend school, and she was so upset because she's like, I don't have any more wishes. And what she <laughs> realized was that you don't need a wish to change the world. You only need to wish to change the world. The power is in the wish, the wanting, the compassion, the, you know, that, that the idea that you, it's so important that you can make it happen regardless. So without a wish, uh, as my daughter was battling cancer for the second time, she sold jewelry out of her hospital bed to raise money for a well. <laughs> that was a brave little girl. <laughs> that was because who would you find actually in the hospital while in their sick bed thinking of, oh, I'm just going to make beads. Sure. Like, I, and that's why I think I loved the book and I loved her. I didn't know her, but I felt like <laughs> I did because the fact she didn't look at her illness as, oh, this is it. I'm down. I'm out. I'm looking at it as I'm moving forward. And I'm going to keep going until whenever it's my time to stop. And I think that's how everyone should look at life. You don't just sit and soak on, oh, I got a disease and that's the end of my world. No, not Maddie. Maddie kept going. I thought that was the sweetest thing ever, selling her bracelets in the hospital. I bet the doctors was even shocked, too. Well, you know what? She had so much fun, and it, it worked to her advantage, too, because they were always coming in and giving her needles and poking her, and now they're coming in and they're they're giving her money. So it's like it's it's a totally different experience when the, when the doctor comes in and high-fives you and says, hey, what do you got for me today, instead of like, you know, roll up your sleeve, you're, you know, you're getting more, you know, chemo or something. So it it allowed her to take the focus off the cancer and put it on something more purposeful, more meaningful. And and I saw it, I saw her change. I saw her become more, you know, um, animated, excited, and and so it 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 benefited her too. And I think. I think for all of us, you know, the good work you do, the, I know, you know, so many people out there that we feel good when we give. I certainly feel much better giving than receiving. Right. And I think this is a time for everyone to commemorate when Christmas comes around. I know everyone is eager to get their children plenty of presents and, oh, I got to do this and that. But at that point of time, as I was saying to my children, that's the time to com- commemorate for the ones who need help, for the one to time to think on what God and the Lord have done for us in our lifetime. That's what it's really all about. We take it and we 
go out and we spend so much and we forget what it really is all about. We don't do that anymore. We get caught up in the commercials, and I think this is a good time to have Maddie's story on where everybody can understand. It's a time to give back and stop always want to receive. Give back and be thankful you gave back. Don't look for nothing in return. Just do it because you want to do it. Everyone needs to be thinking of something selfless to do today. For the rest of this year, think of something to do for others. Always don't put yourself first. And that's, I, and that's what I admired about her, Maddie. She didn't put herself first. She put, she put others first. Hey, I might be sick, but, hey, I'm going to still do this. I'm thinking about these children in Africa because their life is much more devastating than mine, you know. And I like the fact, too, um, Sharon, when you went to take her to the wig store, you know, most kids probably be like, oh, my God, I got to wear this wig. Like, no, I'm not going to do this. But she took it with a grain of salt and, and asked, well, do I have to wash it? What do I need to do with this? Because I'm going to wear it. Hey, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was so nervous, you know, when her hair started falling out. It was She had such beautiful long hair. I was like, I was a mess, and, like, chunks were coming out. And then she's like, okay, it's time. We have to go, you know, get the wig. And, and so we go to the, the hair salon, and they shaved her head, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was mortified. And I offered to share, shave my head, too, but, of course, you know, as a teenage girl, like, sometimes I think their moms are a little embarrassing. So <laughs> my daughter's like, Mom, don't you dare <laughs> shave your head. <laughs> but when she did it herself, she was so calm. And, yeah, and then, you know, and, and then she would wear her wig around. And then she got to the point where she just didn't wear it if it was hot. And she would get stares. And 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 there was a time when her hair was just growing back that she got bullied, which is so sad. Um, she didn't want people to know she had cancer. She didn't want them to feel sorry for her. And, um, yeah, so there were times when people saw her and she had like very short little tiny little puffs of hair coming out and she didn't cover it or anything. And, and, and of course, because she looked different, she was made fun of and it was hard because it really hurt her a lot. Yeah. But it does also, I think in the same hand, it made her very empathetic for other people. Because when we go through it ourselves personally, it's it's like we have so much more compassion for others who are on the same journey. Like when I know of a mom who's lost a child to cancer, she's my sister. I just want to go up and hug her. Like I, <laughs> I've never met them before. It's like we we've taken a journey no one else has. And whether it's cancer or other illnesses or or poverty or whatever, like. Like, that's built in us. It's in our DNA to, to help others. And I think that's what allows us to survive and thrive. Wow. And, I mean, you took your story as far as going to Oprah Winfrey. What was that experience like? Well, it was it was actually, I wish I could get on the Oprah Winfrey show. One day she <laughs> has to hear the story. Um, I was featured on the Oprah Winfrey Canada show called um, – um, life story and it was really cool so I got to share Maddie's story um, with, with the TV show here in Canada and so again allowing to share Maddie's message um, was pretty amazing yeah no oh, it had I know it had to be and I could just hear the I could just hear that joy through you I mean that's what it's all about not giving up we hear we still 
living on Maddie's legacy. But we're going to take a short commercial break, and we're going to be back with Sharon, still talking about Maddie's project and how it's coming along and everything. So stay tuned. Do not touch that dial. (laughs) There's only one station that will keep you happy, Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college, which ends up making the future better for all of us. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. All right, we're back with Sharon Babineau, and we're sharing her daughter's stories through this wonderful book entitled The Girl Who Gave Her Wish Away. And a lot of people probably would have said, I would have took this new were any day, but not Maddie. Maddie said, we're going to help someone else out who needs it. She didn't want to think about her sickness. She wanted to be giving, and that's what God wants you to do. Because God always got you. He got your back no matter what situation you are in. Um, He always loans us favors, and that's what he was doing. He was loaning her a favor, even if we said, oh, she didn't live a long time. She She lived as long as God wanted her to live, and she had her mission, and it's still continuing on today with South Africa, over a quarter million dollars being raised up, and that's a blessing all the way through. So, Sharon, how were you able to cope with knowing that you were a council mom for Maddie? Oh, well, geez. I mean, even after being a caregiver for nine years for my husband as he battled his ALS, you, you think you're experienced. But it's different when you're a mom for, with a child for cancer. I think because I wanted so badly for her to get better, I wanted a different outcome. I wanted the happy ending with her. And, and there were times where I couldn't even breathe. I was just so overwhelmed. And um, and trying, you know, to fight for the best care because the, her cancer came back three times. And, and each time we knew it would be more difficult to to get it under control. And I remember having a conversation uh, with somebody at the hospital near the end, and they had said to me, you should talk to your daughter about dying. And I just thought, no way, because I couldn't give up. And, and, I, and I just agonized over, you know, well, maybe she does want to talk about it. But, and, and so I, I really didn't know what to do. And, and I thought, well, if I talked to her about dying, she might give up. Um, but what if she wants to talk about herself? So anyways, my mind uh, was just going back and forth, and it was, it was really difficult um, to even consider, consider that. And um, then one day, my daughter actually was the one who took the lead. She was the one that came to me, and she sat me down, and she said, Mom, I, I want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, sure, sure, honey. That's what would you like to talk about, thinking it's, you know, she wants to go somewhere or... Uh, I had no idea. I certainly didn't expect what what came next, but she said, I know I'm dying, and I want you to promise me something. I I want you to promise me that you'll be happy. 
after I'm gone. So it took my breath away. I couldn't imagine. But this little girl was so brave, looking me in the eye, asking me to be happy, and I had to have the courage to have that conversation, and I had to have the courage to say yes, yes. And she died soon after. And for me, I didn't want to be happy. But she shared some extraordinary wisdom, yeah. And she said, Derek needs to be happy. Her little brother, she said, he deserves to be happy. He needs a mom who's happy. And that short conversation changed my life. Oh, boy, I tell you, that Maddie, mm-hmm. always, that, that's Maddie, is still thinking of others, not, oh, worrying yes. about, not worrying about that she's gone. And, you know, I think that's our main factor as being a parent. Our major task is always to protect our children from danger. And I know, Sharon, at some point in your life during this time while she had counsel, that's what you felt like, probably, oh, I'm yes. not protecting you. How did you end up with this? Because even you mentioned that throughout your book. How did you end up with this? You don't smoke. I don't have you around and and talk and toxins, toxins or anything right. harmful. So, you know, all that probably went through my mind. Like, what did I do? Is this payback for any past mistakes? What's yeah. going on? And I know you wanted to protect us so badly, and that's that's the part of guilt that comes upon us, any parents really. We always have that guilt, like, oh, what did I do? I don't understand, and you question God and not understanding what His purpose was, but. How do you, how were you able to even get over it though, get past all that darkness and that guilt, Sharon? So that's a really good question. Um, I totally had that guilt for sure. How could I not know? Why didn't I like force the doctor to it to do an extra earlier? All of these questions kept coming and coming and coming. But on top of that was this promise that I made to my daughter to be happy, and it's like, what does that even mean? And do I deserve it? So I thought, I thought. No, I don't even deserve to be happy. And um, I found, you know, with her dying and everything, and I lost my job, and so, and I'm a widow, and it was so, the world seemed very dark. The only light I had was my son, which, by the way, it's his birthday today. So, big shout out, happy happy birthday birthday. to Derek Babineau. (laughs) Happy birthday, Derek. All you Sagittarius. Oh, boy, I tell you. My husband's birthday was yesterday, and my daughter's, their birthday was on the 6th. All happy birthday to you, Derek, and any other Sagittarius out there, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's 19 today. Oh, right. So yeah. uh, how did he cope with everything, losing his sister? Well, he, um, it was tough for him, too. He was, so... Okay. He was 11 when she passed away, and she okay. she 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 died in our arms. We were holding her, and I know at the beginning it was really hard because he thought she was going to beat it. He didn't realize how serious it was, you know, um, because she had beat it twice already. So it was pretty hard. He would he was actually. <laughs> He's doing very well right now. He actually works with kids with cancer. He's a camp counselor. So, again, here's somebody who's gone through hardship, and we come out stronger on the other end, you know, when we have that adversity. And so, I mean, he's an amazing young man. Um, my my daughter, before she died, entered him in a modeling contest, which he won, and he, he's done some modeling and commercials and stuff. And 
and he's a hockey player, and he's he's a, he's just a, a nice young man. So I'm very proud of him. He's very proud of his sister. He's you know done charity work on her behalf, and every Christmas. So so now we live a new normal, right? And so every Christmas. Bye. We feed the homeless. That's we go to the Salvation Army, and that's our Christmas Day. It's our new tradition since Maddie's died, and it's like oh, my favorite right. part of Christmas. My favorite, favorite, favorite part of Christmas. And you know, buying gifts and that, I don't really do that as much anymore. I've been to Africa three times. We've built a hospital, a medical center, um, maternity ward, school, the well, and I just, I don't, you know, gifts to me they're there's a lot of there's just too much stuff out there that we don't really need and you won't find happiness in them. So, yeah. Nate, your story is an inspiration and we think of it as a tragedy. It's not a tragedy. It, it goes from tragedy to inspiration and any parent out there, brother, sister, whoever, you all can feel that the loss of someone who died of cancer and I definitely was I definitely can understand when she lost her father because that's the same age I lost my father. I lost him oh. at the age of seven, so I definitely was on the same page. Did did Maddie, did she kind of understand what her father was going through, though, when he had his disease? Well, it's funny. When she was younger, so she remembers her dad much, uh, you know, more than um, Derek. Derek was two when his father passed away. So Maddie was like six years old, and um, she never saw him as different. That was a beauty because he was in a wheelchair from the time she was born. So there was never this, um, you, know, you know, treating him differently, um, which is something we experience with with other people. Like I remember being in the wheelchair or walking beside my husband, who's in this big wheelchair, a big cumbersome electric wheelchair with the headrest and all kinds of stuff attached to it. And, and people would cross the road to avoid us. And I remember once going into a store, and when I came out, someone had given him money thinking he was panhandling. And it's hard. You know, it's, it's, it's the judgment that people have. They have it so quickly, boom, just like that, right? And, um, right. and he was a he was a proud man, and it was hard. Near the end, he stayed home most of the time. He couldn't go out to eat. He would, and so Maddie would fetch for him and, and, and help him get dressed. And <laughs> you were talking before, she helped him blow his nose because he couldn't even use his arms, totally paralyzed. And she, like, picked his nose with the Kleenex, which was, like, the funniest thing ever. Like, who would do that? You know, but she's like, Mom, he's got a booger in his nose. i got to help him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. oh, my gosh, she was so funny. And then, you know, she would attach her wagon to the back of his wheelchair and give choo-choo train rides to her friends so that they weren't afraid. So what was really lovely about her was that she never saw him as disabled. She never saw other people as disabled. And I wish there was more of that in the world, for sure. Hmm. Oh. And I tell you, it's it's wonderful how... She was able to get all the other students, even after her passing, to come together to spread her word about what she was actually doing in, in her life. Um, but Sharon, I guess this is the question um, here that's probably most painful, like just to get that news, just going down that hallway after the doctors told you she wasn't responsible in that 
in that room? What was going through your mind? Yeah, that was really, that was really hard. Um, my daughter had been in a coma for a couple of days, and the doctors they 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 bring me in this this big conference room to go over all the tests that they had been doing and everything, and. I felt so small because I, I'm sitting on this long table and social workers, doctors, nurses, specialists, they're all lined up and I felt so overwhelmed and I and I felt so outnumbered and so um helpless, deeply helpless. And and it was it was horrible and I wish so badly my husband could have been alive to be there with me and so they're telling me, you know, she's she's you know, she's she's near the end. And and I remember saying to them, "Is it possible that she could die today?" And and the doctor just shook his head and said, "Yes." I said, "Should I be calling the rest of the family and friends because we had some there already, but there were others that hadn't come?" And they said, "Yes." And I remember, I remember turning to the social worker and I said, "Could you please get me my agenda so with my phone numbers so I can start calling people?" And then. For the first time, first time ever, I said it out loud. I said, Maddie can go. Maddie can go and be with her dad. And when I said that, my sister was in the room with my daughter, and I was actually, where I was, was down the hall. She said, the machines went crazy. And the bell started ringing, and then we heard footsteps, and someone was running down the hall, and they said, get Mrs. Babineau. And the doctor and I just booted down the hallway. And I remember as we were entering, the doctor just turned to me and he said, I guess this was Maddie's choice. And I knew then the fact that I said you could go, it was like I had a realization that she was holding on for me. She was waiting for permission. And she was probably suffering. But she wanted to go because she would have peace. And that really helped me, and I crawled into bed with her. And I called my son, and we crawled in, and we just held her and held her and held her. And and the nurses came in, and they quietly turned everything off and started unplugging and pulling wires, and I I held her forever. I held her forever. And that's all all she needed, Sharon. She just needed to understand that, hey, if I could just see your face for that last, time then I know I can I can move on. It was time it was time for her. Oh boy, I tell you each and what's so amazing because something like someone like that, such as Maddie, that that just changed your life. She showed you and others new ways to love, new things to find joy and new ways to look at the world differently. And her legacy like I said will always live on. She brought change. She brought plenty of change, and I'm glad that it's been honored respectfully even through her death. She has not been forgotten, and with this wonderful book, she's definitely not forgotten. And that's always going to be lived on, no matter what, Sharon. The memories of that joyful moment that you spent with her, that love that you share, that's always going to live on and always going to be a part of you. And part of us now that, that you brought this book to us, and I hope others can get this book too. And also, Sharon, there are bracelets out too in honor of Maddie, aren't there? Well, what we did was um, 
we got some bracelets called Mad Before Grad, and we started an initiative because we had so many kids, like, writing after Maddie passed away, writing to me emails and letters and, like, all over the world that had found out about her. And um, she had one um, on um, beliefnet.com, um, one of the top 10 most inspirational people in 2010. And so her story, you know, was able to get out even more. And so they wanted, kids wanted to do something. Like she was their role model, role model and, but also she was a peer, and that was so important. So we started Mad Before Grad. Make a difference before graduating. Do one random act of kindness. Take the focus off of the limos and the fancy dresses for just a while and see if you can go out and change the world. And so we started it for grade 8s and grade 12s, so the graduating year, and it's been phenomenal. We had one year over 800 random acts of kindness, and this year for 2015, we're actually going to do our first uh, leadership conference for youth. And so I'm really excited. But the Mad Before Grad, anyone can just go out and do it. And they would, the kids would write back to me and share their experience, and every single one of them, when they gave, they got back. Either they, you know, some of them said, you know, I told my dad I loved him, and I never told him that before. I wrote him a long letter. You know, I went and worked on my grandma's farm, and I learned about how their life was as a, as a kid. I, I went into an old age home, and, the, and I, you know, there was a woman there who spoke only, you know, Mandarin, and, and I was able to help her communicate with the staff, and she was isolated in her room, and she was able to come out and you know, so it's it's amazing what these kids can do, and I'm so proud of them. And it just makes me feel closer to my daughter. Just amazing. Right. Right, and she's with you every step of the way. She's with us right now as we're doing this interview <laughs> at the moment. I tell you, Maddie, you have not been forgotten, darling, at all. <laughs> so what's your next step in your journey now for you, Sharon? Um. Well, I think this leadership conference is pretty exciting, so I'm just starting to put it out there now. And, um, you know, I'm definitely, con- you know, continuing the Mad Before Grad, and I've been very lucky that, you know, I, w- I work now as a professional speaker, so going out into schools, uh, whether in the U.S. or Canada, and share my daughter's story with the students. And, you know, it's so rewarding to to do that and, and um I just feel, you know, as Maddie's mom, I, you know, she's passed the torch, you know, to me, but also to to all these young, extraordinary young people. So I'm just kind of the bridge between her and them, and then I just let them go crazy and and do whatever they can. And like I said, they do extraordinary things, you know, greater things than I could ever imagine. But I think for me, what's so important is for people to realize that. Um, there's so much we can do if we live our life with intention and to not give up, you know, when something, um, sometimes life does beat us up, and but never give up. I mean, that's Maddie's message and, and it's my message um, to look for the positive because it, it is there. Um, although we have, you know, sad things happen to us. Um, right. Yeah, and, and for me, it's like, I've lost a child, but I can help a child in Africa. It doesn't have to be blood. It doesn't have to be what? blood relative, right? Like that, I don't want my heart to close. I don't want it to shut down. 
I wanted to stay open. And she, she's given me that permission. Like when she made me promise her I would be happy, I thought that was such a burden. And I was so mad, so mad. Like I have to get up every day and be happy. That's so not fair. But what right. I learned. <laughs> exactly. Right. But, I, uh, I definitely understand that. You probably mad with mad. Like you made me extra promises. I'm upset. I lost you already, and I still got to keep this promise, but you learned how to get overcome that, and you kept it. I did. It wasn't easy, and I think that's something people right. need to understand. It's like it was a long healing journey. The first thing I had to do was surrender everything, poof, on my knees and surrender and, and understand that, you know, our lives are <laughs> are much bigger than, you know, than just us. There's a bigger picture right. going on in the world. So my right. what my daughter did was a much bigger picture than than bringing it to just you know poor me, her mom. And what I learned was that happiness is a choice. So that's a tough one because that means we're responsible for our happiness. And some people aren't ready no. to hear that. But I I, no, I they're hope not. they're not. But I hope that they would just open their heart to that possibility because I learned that it definitely is a choice and i can choose happiness over sadness i can be open to the beautiful things that happen the small things every day um once i can be in gratitude um you know i i live in a country where you know there's you know there's education the weather i have a home i have my son and i've remarried which has been absolutely wonderful and honestly my husband wouldn't have married me if I was a dark, angry person. So when you give love, you get it back. And so taking that focus off of poor me, opening it up to this extraordinary world still needs a lot of help. Those children in Africa need help. People in my own community need help. I have poverty in my own community. I'm sure you do too. It's everywhere. And it feels so good to give. Mm -hmm. It does. It really is. Selfless acts of kindness always give because God always returned the favor. That's what it's all about, giving. He returned the favor. And I guess our prayer go out today for anyone out there because I think Sharon gave the best tip. You just have to learn how to cope with it. It's a day-and-day process. Nobody can write it down in a book for you and tell you how to cope with the loss of anyone. That's a process that takes time within yourself, as Sharon explained that at the very end, because I was going to ask you that, and I think you said it best. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes it takes time. That's nothing that you can just get over. It's still day by day. Like um, I told one of my friends, he lost his wife, and she had died of cancer, too, um, um, some few weeks ago. And I told him, I said, you know, you need someone around you because no one can be alone in this matter, no one. That's why you gotta have God, you gotta have some good friends, family around. It takes time. I tell them if you have to go in the corner and cry to yourself, you go right ahead. Nobody expects you to get up and be hoop to do in five seconds. You got rights. You got rights to shed your tears. You got rights to mope. It takes time and Sharon, I'm glad that you have been able to see that. And I know that you're still coping with it every day, but by you doing what she asked for you to do that's so helpful, and I just want to give a prayer that I found inspiring um, from someone else, and it, it was a little something like this. I'm going to just give half of it. You are a good, just, righteous, and loving Father. Don't let us grow bitter in the shadow of death, but pierce our hearts with a joy that we cannot fathom or understand. 
a joy that is above all that is corrupted here on earth. Jesus, you wept over death, and so too we weep. But it is a grief and a mourning that holds joy on the other side. You are conqueror of all, and so we trust you. We trust that you will do what is right, what is loving. Whether in death or in life, your will is accomplished. May we know your presence, Lord. Keep us ever aware of your loving hand, guiding us through all things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This is a good prayer just for the dying, for the ones who are going through something right now. Open your heart because it hits everyone. You are not alone in this. And Sharon is here to tell you, you are not alone in this. She went through it. We're all going through it. Some of us going to probably lose someone dear to us. But my main thing right now, Sharon, is to tell people this. Whatever your last moments are, don't regret anything that you ever have done in life. Don't you look back on that past. You move mm-hmm. forward. You enjoy life for what it is right now. As Maddie did, she enjoyed life. And we learn best from a child. That's why I love her. I think that's why I love most about Maddie, because we learn most from a child. Maddie didn't sit down. She didn't weep. She didn't stay stuck in her misery. She got up and she moved forward. Mama, I'm going to do this. Mama, I'm going to make these bees. Mama, I'm going to do something for somebody else in Africa. She moved on. And that's, you know, we learn best from a child. A child will teach you a whole lot if you pay and pay close attention to them and actually listen. They will teach you so much. And that's what Matt is teaching us all today, how to give back and don't have any regrets but and enjoy life to the fullest. She wants to, hey, I might don't have hair. I might be stuck with these shoes, but I know it's something bigger and better for me. And it's bigger than, like you said, Cher, it's bigger than all of us because God got a plan for all of us. We might don't know what the plan is, but as I always said before on many of my shows, give God the keys and he'll take the rest. Let him drive. But, Sharon, I really do appreciate you for coming on to the show. And if anyone feels that they want to join up or commemorate Maddie's wish, how do they go about doing that? So we do have a website, maddieseverlastingwish.com. Yes, her website, her website, and then I think if you have my email address, they can certainly email. And the book, and it's the the book is pretty. It's a beautiful read for teens. It's it's on Amazon, so so I know that book is available that way. Beautiful Christmas gift or at any time really. And I've I mean we've had twelve year olds to ninety year olds read the book. I've had a football player tell me he's read it and cried like a baby. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> right, because it is it's a it's a very touching story. Oh, and I I do have Sharon Babineau's email address, which is smbabineau, that's B-A-B-I-N-E-A-U at S-Y-M-P-A-T-I-C-O dot com, C-A. Um, so if anyone wants to get in touch with Sharon, purchase her book, you can contact her through her email address, as she said, and make sure you go to the website. Um, Sharon, once again, thank you so much. You're a very encouraging woman, and that's a lot of that's a lot of help for us out here who looking for answers and don't know where to go. I thank you so much for coming on to the show, sharing your story. Thank you, Technicia, and all the best for 2015. Right, <laughs> hoping to live to see <laughs> another year, everybody. Let's hope <laughs> to make it through this other year. Thank you again, Sharon. God bless you, and happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you. You're welcome. And before I leave you, dear friends and family, the truth of the day for my friends Ellen is this. Give yourself time to accept any changes that you face. Change can be hard for all of us, especially during the holidays. 
when you make changes, begin small or break up large-scale changes into smaller segments. Mentally make these changes part of your daily routine. Accept these changes by being flexible and going with the flow of life. Remember that changes, however stressful, can be blessings in disguise. Amen for that. All changes are part of your lessons that should be learned. Today, give yourself time to accept any changes you may face. Accept and allow, then let go. Enjoy the day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow. God bless you, and don't let the devil steal your joy. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.